Rush into Old Navy today for this can't-miss one-day deal. 50% off all Old Navy active for the family. Get the workout wear you need at a huge 50% off one day only today. Hurry in or miss out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1020, select styles only, excludes in-store clearance. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Ben Standing here for another Locked on Wizards podcast. I recapped the Game 6 win and therefore the series victory for the Wizards over the Atlanta Hawks on Friday night with Adam Rubin from truthaboutit.net. You can, of course, find that on iTunes um, or on your uh, podcatcher that you use. Um, we talked for long enough that I decided to break it into two parts. Uh, part two, I'm going to play for you right now. We th- This one was starting to de- deal more with the upcoming series against the Boston Celtics. We talked about key players. We talked about what, what to expect, if anything, from Jan Mahimi, and a little bit about what we saw during the season when the Wizards and Celtics met. So here we go for that. If you missed part one, check that out as well. Of course, game one, Sunday, one o'clock in Boston. So you don't have too much time to listen to these podcasts, but uh, hopefully you'll get them uh, done uh, in time. All right, so here we go. Uh, the rest of my conversation with Adam Rubin from truthaboutit.net. All right, speaking of things that are not working, let's get to the when of it all, Adam. As in, when do you think Jan Mahimi returns? Once again, no, no Mahimi today. There was no. It was an indication from from Brooks. It sounds like that he wouldn't have played Game Seven even if there had been one. He's he hasn't played since the he got hurt in the penultimate game of the regular season a couple of days ago. They all made it sound like hey he's getting close. Maybe he even plays in the series, which made no sense to me. They said this on Wednesday or Tuesday. The series was going to end by Sunday. You, you know you would think you would know if you're going to play in the next four or five days. So I know you don't know, but what's your have have, have you know be be uh, be. Oh. Be miserable about this or, or, or have fun, whatever you would think. But I guess, when do you think Mahimi returns and how big of a deal do you think it is for this series against, uh, you know, against Boston or just in general for him to be back? Well, uh, I'm no doctor, but I put him at uh, another seven days. And this is based on, I've been watching him uh, in, in warmups and uh, he's progressed. I went to practice, I guess it was been a couple weeks ago. Now he was in a walking boot, just doing some individual drills. Then you can see him, before the games, he's out on the floor. At first, games one and two, he was shooting, but no, with no lift, no jump at all. Um, I was actually in Atlanta. I went down to Atlanta for game three, and he was doing a little more pregame stuff, but still no jumping. And I know game five, he was doing more of a little one-on-one type type moves, so a little bit of spin moves and things like that. But he's he's not doing anything close to a full explosive movement. So I, I knew there was no way he was going to be playing game six. He certainly wouldn't be playing game Seven, I don't see how you, you got to put in a full practice at full speed before you play it. He's not doing anything close to that from what we're seeing publicly before the game. So I, I just don't see how he'd be back. You know, I, I would, I would, I'm guessing, of course, a, a week, but because I think he has to do a full practice and I don't think he is anywhere close to there 
I mean, getting to that point, but he didn't seem like anywhere close to going on a full sprint and running and jumping. I mean, that's something that's easily re-aggravated, um, that type of injury. Now, I think it's a big deal because I think the best way for, for the way Boston plays, I, I think the best way to defend Isaiah Thomas, who, who in watching the Bulls series and watching all season, I mean, their offense just completely comes to a halt when Isaiah's out of the game or not scoring. And I think the best way to stop him for Washington would be to have uh, Oubre on, on the ball and having uh, Mahimi on the floor who can patrol the paint when, when he does those sort of those drives where he, he sort of jumps into the defender and trying to get some, some foul calls. Uh, Mahimi is pretty good at going vertical, and he has the, the size to contest those shots. So if Oubre is pestering him and, and he gets by him, um, you know, Mahimi would be, I think, the best back there versus Gortat. So I think in the fourth quarter, I think it would be great to have that as your, as your defense for Isaiah Thomas. Just Ubre pressuring, you can double with Wall and have Mahimi as the anchor. Um, I, you know, Gortat is not that great at defending these smaller guards when they drive. Um, you can go small as well, obviously, with Mark Keith because Boston doesn't really have a center. But um, I, think it's a, I think it's a big deal because I think, as you saw what Robin Lopez was doing, I mean, the way you beat Boston is to kill him on the boards and having uh, Mahimi out there to get some rebounds. Uh, and control the paint, it would just be a huge advantage to have that in a way that Gortat just doesn't give you. You know, Gortat's not going to be like the Robin Lopez. Mahimi can be more of a rebounder and dominant inside player than, than Gortat, and that, that's Boston's weakness. So I think it is a big deal not to not to have him out there full strength. And, you know, hopefully you're looking at Sunday, you know, maybe game three and or, or game two, I guess, if you're being optimistic, would be would be good to get him back. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the series with Atlanta, my thinking was, you know what, obviously, look, you want him out there, obviously. But I was like, of, of, of any matchup, this was a matchup maybe you could get away with it because Atlanta doesn't really have a backup big man. Uh, Dwight Howard seemingly was playing fewer and fewer minutes, or at least he wasn't going to play more than the 30 he did, and Gortat will be out there for that. But one thing you definitely noticed as the series went on, especially with Schroeder, the ability to get inside and no and nobody on Washington able to challenge them. And, you know, especially those games three and four in Atlanta – the Hawks were able to, you know, kind of get what they wanted to because there's just no fear going in, in the paint. And now you're talking about a Boston team that's got Isaiah Thomas, who's, you know, just killing guys um, all over the place. So I do think it's a big deal in that sense. But like you, but like you mentioned, uh, Boston, you know, in, in their closeout game tonight against the Bulls, they had Al Horford at center. He's certainly not your traditional interior big man. Their only other big is, you know, basically Kelly Olynyk, another guy who kind of steps out, can step outside. So, um, they won't get killed based off the opposing center, but having that presence inside is definitely a a big deal. And also, the reality is, Marquise Morris. You know, this is what this is what the first game he hasn't really been in foul trouble in like seems like in eight months. <laughs> uh, but you know, if he keeps getting in foul trouble, they need all the big bodies that you know that they can. And uh, you know, having Mahimi back would be a big help. Um, all right, so since we're already here on the Boston, let's close out the. Who, what, where, when, why of it all with who, as in who is the key player for the Wizards against the Celtics, um, which, again, is going to start Sunday. I'll, I'll give you a second to think about it. I, I'll go with Otto Porter for, for two reasons. One, when I look at the splits from the four games this year, Otto Porter shot 58.3% from three against Boston. Didn't take tons, but that's obviously a great percentage. Um, you know, the, these teams split those games. Uh, Otto averaged 17 in that, which was – just behind, 
John Wall's pace, Bradley Beal averaged 22. I, I think that, we, you know, the Wizards, they've got to get Otto Porter. You know, they, he didn't have to do as much tonight, I guess you could say, because Wall and Beal were doing their thing. He did have two threes. Um, he had eight points. He had eight rebounds, three assists, two steals. So sort of an Otto Porter kind of game, but he's going to need more shots. And I think the biggest thing is what you, you hear – you hear Bill Simmons talk about this on his podcast. I hear other people talking about it when they look ahead. What does Boston do with Isaiah Thomas defensively? He's not going to be able to stick with John Wall or Bradley Beal. So the idea on some level would be, where can you hide him? And the thing that people seem to think would be, you hide him on Otto Porter, because Otto Porter is largely sort of standing in the corner waiting for that ball. Otto Porter would have a foot height advantage. So I'm not saying you all of a sudden have Otto Porter start posting up, but you, you got to take advantage of that situation, whether it's open threes or, you know, the opportunity to take, you know, to go inside, whatever it is. If that's where they're going to stash Isaiah Thomas, then he's got to make them pay. So, you know, the, I think for me, Otto Porter, uh, as uh, off the top of my head here, is sort of the key player, I think, for the Wizards against the Celtics. How about you? You can pick somebody in Boston if you want. Um, as Hey, a quick word here from our sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. I just went looking for you two tickets recently uh and SeatGeek I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone and everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money and SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck that's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's how you do it. You go, you download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOWIZARDS. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you... After you've made your first ticket purchase, download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOWIZARDS today. All right, back to the podcast. Well, uh, no, no, my uh, my key would be Ubre, And that's because from what, what we've seen with, well, all season really, but you look at this series with Schroeder, I mean, for whatever reason, Wall cannot or will not, you know, keep these guards in front of him. He loves to go and just go for the reach around. They put Beal on Schroeder a lot today. Um, sometimes Ubre covers him as well, but this is, I mean, Boston team, they are Isaiah Thomas and that, that's, they'll go as far as Isaiah takes them. And Ubre is the only guy, I know Beal's improved his defense, but I think Ubre is the guy who has the quickness to stay in front of him and the length to contest his jumpers. And I think that if, that if, if Ubre and he did this at the end in the regular season game, they won at home in DC where you put uh, Ubre was on Isaiah Thomas for a few possessions at the end and, 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 and shut him down. Not a small sample size, but if he is able to cover Isaiah Thomas and allow wall to cover any of those perimeter guys, wall can cover Avery Bradley, Marcus smart, 
uh, Rogier, if he's in, uh, he can cover those other guys. So you're not losing anything by putting Wall onto those guys. And I just think that that small lineup is going to be key against Boston is to have Wall, Beal, and and Ubre out there. And so I think that's he's the only guy who can stop the penetration of Isaiah Thomas, and I, and I think he can. And so I think that's really going to be the key because you can you see what Chicago did those first two games with when Rondo was playing and you completely takes Boston out of its offense. When Isaiah Thomas has to, when Isaiah Thomas has to give up the ball, they're, they're, they're all just standing around. They're not set jump shooters. They're all more off the ball guys. And if you can force Marcus smart to get it in his head that he needs to be the scorer, I mean, that's really where when Boston falls apart, when those other guys say they need to score Horford going one-on-one, it slows down the offense. Um, smart is, you know, out of control when he goes one-on-one and Bradley doesn't get those easy open shots when the ball isn't swinging around as easily from Isaiah Thomas running the offense. So I put Ubre's ability to stay in the game out of foul trouble, lock in and say, that's your job. Your job is to come in and just play five, 10 minute stretches on Isaiah Thomas. And that's all we care about. And that's all you need to do. If you can get Ubre to do what you just said, I'm with you. I think that would be huge. Uh, it's when he starts, uh, feeling very comfortable, with catch and shoot and well, you know, trying to score in traffic is where he uh, can can lead me to get frustrated. But no, I'm with you. I mean, look, he had five steals again. Steals not always a, always a indicative of defense, but you know that, that he he can definitely mess things up, cause havoc. Um, absolutely. Um, I the uh, I just got they just put out the quote sheets from from the game night. Let me just read one here from Scott Brooks really quick on John Wall. Quote: He's been tremendous. The easy thing. To look at what to look at is what he does on the court, but his leadership has really been instrumental to our growth this season. Even in a game like this, we had a chance to just go, okay, we'll we'll just go to game seven. This is going to be a rough night after blowing that lead. But I'll tell you what, John and all all of our guys stepped up. He's a heck of a player. He's not just one of the best point guards in the league. He's one of the best players in the league. He's carried us with his leadership as a player. We have a lot of good players who help us win games, but his leadership and Brad's leadership has been great for our young players. In this league, I couldn't ask for two better guys to lead our team. Says, end quote, says the coach who once upon a time had Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Uh, I, I, I've said this before, Adam, and I'm curious what you think. I would, If I could get Scott Brooks, some, if I could slip Scott Brooks some sodium pentothal, uh, I think the question I would ask him is, all right, man, come on, be honest. John Wall or Russell Westbrook, you got to be happier with Wall. You just have to be, right? I mean, Westbrook, as great as he is, as a coach, it must drive you crazy because you can't run actually any offense. And we always heard about how Scott Brooks and OKC, people criticize what they did over there. And then he's out, Billy Donovan's in, and nothing changes. But he comes here to the Wizards, and all of a sudden he's running great plays, and you know their offense is really free-flowing. And what's the biggest difference? Maybe Scott Brooks got that much smarter in his year away from the game after getting fired. I'm going to say it's because he's got a point guard who has evolved into one of the better you know, pass first uh, point guards in the league, and he can get his own as well in that rest Westbrookian kind of way. But I gotta believe if you know, if, if I could, if I could, if I could pin Scott Brooks down, that you know he would say he if he, he has to pick, he'd take John Wall over Westbrook. Well, I think that has to be the case, and you can look at what just the fact that Durant you know left for Golden State. I mean, he hasn't doesn't say this publicly, but you know he had to have been frustrated with the the offense they were running in, in those games in the playoffs when Westbrook would shoot 10 more 
times than, than he did. And Scott Brooks always talked about his time as a point guard and what it was like uh, and how he had to play and, and, and the limited minutes he would get, but how he had to – he's more of a pure point guard. And he, he, he has to, I think, at least respect and admire what Wall is able to do as more of a, a point guard setting up his teammates than Westbrook. They're obviously completely different players, but as a coach, you, you'd have to imagine you'd rather have Wall, who's allowing you to run different types of offenses, because he had Kevin Durant, the greatest – you know, arguably the greatest single offensive weapon – and you look at the offenses that were being run. They were doing high. He would post up outside the three-point line, and that would be the end of their offensive play. He would just be calling for the ball, you know, 30 feet from the basket. So you know Brooks was capable of creating a better offense for that type of offensive player. So, I mean, just from what we've seen him do here with, with, with setting up Beal. Look at the way he gets Beal shots, the way he talks about how Otto needs to get open and how he's sort of evolved his game of – of staying out at the three-point line a little bit more and not cutting as much and how he, he's, he's gotten, you know, Gortat, all these open shots, you know, cutting to the lane. So you can see the way he looks at the players, uh, you know, strengths and weaknesses and tries to develop uh, scoring chances for them. Imagine what he would have liked to have done for a Kevin Durant. So um, I got to imagine he's happy with having Wall. And I bet you, I'm guessing, as good as Wall's reputation may have been among the coaches, I, I, I doubt that he even understood how good wall was uh, when he came here. And he said a little bit about that. Like, you know, how, how he's, he's better than he even imagined as a leader and as a player. But, but I have a feeling he's, he's much better than what, what Brooks thought he was going to be when, when he got here. Yeah. I, 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 and I'm sure I, he... I think, I think that's probably fair. I mean, um, you know, he only saw, I mean, obviously Brooks has been in the league for a while, but he only, he's only goes up against him twice a year playing out in the West. Um, you know, no matter what he hears, unless you're around somebody all the time, you know, we all go through this in life, right? You hear something about somebody, but then until you're there yourself with them on some consistent basis, you can make your own assessment and, you know, without, without that, uh, without somebody else's filter. And you're right. I mean, and, and plus, look, I mean, we, we also talked about the injury factor, right? I mean, he wasn't clearly healthy all yeah. this time. And, you know, as much as we all want to praise John Wall, and I like John Wall a lot as a guy, he's always been cool with me and the media and so on. You know, he he does struggle at times going up against guards who he probably looks down upon. His shot, for most of his yeah. career, has been broken. It's gotten better of late. It was great late tonight, but that's been a, that's been an issue at times. His decision making is not always there. The idea that he was always going a hundred miles an hour wasn't always ideal. So there were reasons. And look, and let's even look at the Olympic stuff and those Team USA things. As great as he was, we almost never had a shot. Not just because. You had Curry and, and Westbrook and Chris Paul and all that, but there's just something about the way he was playing. Great, but yeah, maybe, you know, he was maybe closer to that Westbrookian side of things than than not. Well, that's not the case anymore. He's evolved. And by the way, he not uh, he's evolved in a way that is pretty rare, I kind of feel like. And I think this was something mentioned in the Lee Jenkins article, I think. There, are, I always think guys can improve their shooting. Right, a guy can come in with a terrible shot and, and get better, i.e., Jason Kidd, Magic Johnson. But it's I think in instincts are hard to fix, which is one thing I'm curious about with with Ubre. But John Wall, and yes, he was a point guard, but his his understanding of the passing game, the angles, wh- what he sees out there, he's far more clo- he's far closer now to that Jason Kidd type point guard than he was when he came in the league, and that's pretty rare. I don't think you see guys typically make that move to go that way and i think that says a lot about his 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 work his basketball iq and his just overall ability 
and part of, I don't know if this was in the article or somebody else's comment surrounding the article, but that one of the main reasons was his change of speed that he slowed down. So it's, it's almost that by slowing down, it allowed him to now see the floor much better than he was before. He had the instincts, he had the ability to pass, but when you're going hundred miles an hour, uh, you can't see the floor as well. So that in slowing down, it made his game better just in, in general. It's better to now have the change of pace. It helps you get into the, the lane easier. But it also just slowed the game down and allowed him to see those lanes and manipulate the defenses better. So, yeah, it's there were always those flashes from when he first came in the league in terms of his passing ability. But now the way he's manipulating, he doesn't just let with the defense give them. He doesn't take what the defense gives them. He actually is manipulating the defense from the very start of a possession to make them move where he needs them to move in order to set up those those passes. So yeah, it's it's something again, it's 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 tough when you see nationally how he doesn't get the recognition. I guess it's tough. It's not it's not really tough, but as a fan you always want the you know, you want your player to get that recognition and and you don't want to hear people talking about Damian Lillard or Isaiah Thomas or or Kemba Walker even when they were talking about all star spots earlier this year. I mean, even to be in the same conversation, you want Wall to have that recognition and people really to see, look, what he's doing is these incredible things. And it's not just the highlight plays, these left-handed dunks we're seeing over and over again. It's just what he does on a play-by-play level of his, his recognition and his, his IQ on just manipulating the, the entire court. And I guess that, but to get that recognition, you got to get to the conference finals. You got to get on national TV and, and, and that's, I know that's what Wall wants and that's, extra motivation that he has in these battles. Certainly, I think going against Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, Walt takes these things very personally. And I, I think that's one thing that's in Washington's favor is I think Walt's going to want to also one-up Isaiah, you know, as well, just on a, on a man-to-man, player-to-player level. And you hope it doesn't get too much into his head. And, you know, when he gets a little bit out of control when he's sort of hunting for fouls or looking for baskets, that's when he can sometimes get into trouble when he's driving and the shots aren't there. But... Uh, hopefully it's a healthy motivation this next series to put his you know stamp on on the series and let people know that he's the best player in the uh, in the series because he really doesn't get any discussion in the MVP talk. I mean Isaiah Thomas is always thrown in there at the end as an you know as sort of a fringe MVP guy, but but Wall doesn't really get get mentioned at all. So I think Wall, Wall hears all that stuff and I think he takes that takes that seriously and takes it personally. You know how like the the the, the OKC Houston series was sort of the MVP series. It was, you know, really going to tell us who the MVP was, even though, of course, the vote had already happened. Westbrook against Harden. This was going to be the test. I think this series, Wall, Isaiah Thomas, this is for the fifth place MVP vote. Because you had the top four guys. I'm sorry, you had the top four guys, and then it was sort of, all right, well, who's fifth? Some people said John Wall. Some people said Isaiah Thomas. Some people said Giannis, maybe Steph Curry. But for argument's sake, I John Wall, Isaiah Thomas, the winner gets five, no matter what. Done. <laughs> well, I think I, I think along those those lines, and I don't know when this voting is done, but it's really the the all NBA argument because it's going to be tough. And for Wall, I think he definitely needs to be on at least the third team. But but Isaiah is the he's the guy where people are going back and forth on on what teams they'd be all on the all NBA. So I assume those votes are already in as well. I guess before the playoffs, yeah, those are regular season uh, awards. So I guess it won't. It won't affect it anyway. And now that they're moving the announcements, well, no, all NBA is not going to be pushed back. I guess they said because they need to announce that before the draft. But all the other awards are being, you know, pushed back to the yeah. All, all the show. voting but, is obviously everything is tongue tongue and cheek. But I'm just saying that's going to be, uh, you know, on some level, like you know, yeah. I, you know, basically, all right, let's see who's who's it going to be. Uh, 
it's pretty fascinating uh, matchup to say the least. Um, all right, man. Well, hey, look, Adam, uh, greatly appreciate it. We've we've talked long here. I'll probably end up breaking this thing up into two pieces, but uh, uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, Got to turn this thing around quick, seeing as how the Wizards are playing <laughs> one o'clock on Sunday. I, I know you went to Atlanta for at least game three. Are you are you thinking about going to Boston at all? Uh, I, if possibly in the second, it would be game five, I guess. The, fr- the friend of mine who I went to Atlanta with actually lives in Boston. So, uh, that's who I would be going up there and I guess stay with him. If, uh, if the scheduling works out, if we can get it on a weekend. Um, but, but well, I guess it's, I'll check when the schedule, schedule should be out now. So I'll check and see when, I've been, I've been, when they got game five. I've been checking email. It's not out yet. That's what I, that's one reason I was kind of stalling here. I was hoping we could, uh, we could get it on. If, if, if they well, I doubt it'll be every other day just because, you know, it doesn't always work out. But if it's every other day, Sunday, Tuesday in Boston, Thursday, Saturday here, which would make game five Monday there. Now, obviously, yeah, so Monday or back a day or two, that would be middle of the week as opposed to a weekend in Boston. Most yeah. Likely, most likely. Well, and there's, there's, there's the other issue, which is tough. Uh, you know, that's going to be, I think, overshadowing game one. And I guess it's tough to, it's not something really to analyze or, you know, give an opinion on, but, but, you know, the reports that Isaiah Thomas is going to be flying out, you know, tonight after the Chicago game to go to, you know, his sister's funeral on Saturday. And I guess then flying back and as some members of the team might be going, I know they, they weren't sure or not, but I guess they'd fly back Saturday night or, you know, very late Saturday night and, and coming in, you know, the morning of, of the game. So I'm sure that's going to be a, a major, you know, it's a major storyline. It's something outside of basketball. It's something that, you know, it's tough that Isaiah Thomas is going through, but that's going to be a whole nother sort of layer to, to the whole playoff uh, experience in the, in the second round. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how all that plays out as well. I mean, it's just a horrible, it's a horrible thing to see, see happening and see happening in, in public. But, um, you know, I guess that that's going to be another, a huge element of the series, which doesn't really have anything to do do with basketball. No, but you're right. It's definitely going to be a, 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 a point of, of emphasis that people are going to talk about. I mean, it sounds like Isaiah Thomas was able to, uh, you know, still uh, kick butt against um, um, Milwaukee. It looks like tonight the only... Isaiah Cannon. Yeah. That's, Isaiah, that's Isaiah Cannon? Well, no, no, I'm saying uh, he was playing against uh, Chicago. Oh, uh, you were saying Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm saying yeah, Isaiah Cannon, who's sorry, been going again. Sorry, sorry right. right. Right, right, I keep saying, I keep saying Milwaukee. Uh, it looks like he had 12 points on 4 of 11 shooting, 1 of 7 from 3. Uh, but Avery Bradley had 23. G- Gerald Green <laughs> starting 16 points. I'll be curious if Gerald Green is starting against the Wizards. Something tells me he may not. Um, they may go to some sort of uh, bigger guy going up against Markeith Morris. But we will... Uh, we will see about that. All right. Well, the schedule is not out, and I guess I need to let you go and uh, rest up for the big uh, for the big game. Uh, but Adam, definitely appreciate yeah. it. Everybody, go follow Adam on Twitter at Liddell's Place. Go send him all your t- Thomas Sadaransky uh, tweets and comments. <laughs> he's uh, he's all about that life. And uh, as, of course, thank you guys for listening. For listening, uh, you know, really appreciate you guys uh, helping out the podcast. Uh, you know, you. Whatever. I've said enough. I'm tired. We're going to bed. Congrats to the Wizards. They get to the <laughs> one third time in four years. They not just make the playoffs. They, they win at least one series. Now we'll see if they can, for the first time, win two. 
and get to Cleveland. That Well, I'm assuming Cleveland. Maybe it's Toronto. I shouldn't jump the gun, but I'm assuming. All right. Adam, appreciate it, man. Thanks, you guys. And uh, until next time, see ya. Deal. Gets open for three. Dagger! Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details.